This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The Fair Oaks Mall Carnival is coming September 9th through the 18th. Free parking and the best rides in town. Ride the Ferris wheel, the Superman, the merry-go-round, or one of our great kitty rides. Try the delicious funnel cakes and carnival food or test your skill at one of the games. There is fun for the whole family. For information, amazing discounts, visit dreamlandamusements.com through September 8th. The Fair Oaks Mall Carnival, September 9th through the 18th. Don't miss it. Hello patrons and welcome to the West Hamway podcast Extra Time with myself Dave Walker and XWH employee. This week we're joined by our good friend Darren Blewett who talks to us about his incredible journey from being on the verge of regular first team football at West Ham to writing suicide notes to his family. We talk about mental health, addiction, rehabilitation, his relationship with Mark Noble and more. Darren, firstly, congratulations on the birth of your second daughter, mate. How's it going so far? Lovely. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, everything's well. Mrs. is well. Baby's well. Um, nine pound four. So I think I told you the other day we've got a future centre half in the making. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now everyone's well. It is a, it's a blessing. I'm so grateful. I'm oh, lovely. Um, he feels like, yeah, he's completely that family, mate. He feels like that. So he's happy day. He's happy day. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, listen, I really do mean this when I say it, Darren. Much like your firstborn, mm-hmm. thank God she looks like a mum, eh? Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, she has been, when, she, when she has a turn at, she looks like me. So we've got, we've got me for all. So, yeah, but I forget exactly what you're saying, Dave. Yeah, she's a... Uh, She's a cracker, mate. <laughs> yeah, she is, mate. She is. Um, well, listen, we've interviewed you a couple of times now. The reason we're keen to get you back on will become apparent, but let's just set the scene for those who haven't heard our previous conversations, right? Because you were a West Ham Academy player for six years. Who were the players that were in the same team as you? And during that period, did you get to know any of the senior pros? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was, I was at West Ham from the age of 10 to... 
obviously, when I left at just for my 22nd birthday. So, um, as you say, I was in the academy for six years. My age group, um, there was no one of, of note, I'd say, who, who got a pro contract apart from myself. Well, no, I've, I've got a pro contract. Below me, a year below was Mark Noble and Chrissy Cohen, which I'm sure fans will know. And the year above me was Anton Ferdinand, Elliot Ward. So I was stuck in that middle. But along um, a couple of years younger than me was people like uh, Carl Reed, who played first team, uh, Hogan Ephraim. Um, so I was, I was sort of in between all them. Uh, but, but of note, yeah, yeah, mainly Noble and, and Chrissy below. But we, we all sort of played up and we'd mix with, with each other. And Mark and Noble, Chris would play up, I might play a year up. And, and we all sort of got you know, along that way. So there was... Yeah, there was a there was a there was a few that went on to play for the first team. Um, in in the sort of two or three years either side of me, uh, growing up, yeah. So it was um, yeah, there's a few names that people will know. A few, a few names that people will know definitely. Did you get um to know any of the senior players like well during your yeah. time there? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I when I ended up um, after I, I trained, I started training actually with the first team when I was sixteen. Um, I think I was actually fifteen, and, uh, very young, and it was when it was the year of I think it's two thousand and two, three, something like that. No, bad math, 2001. Um, and it was the year we got relegated. So when we had uh, Glenn Johnson, uh, Joe Cole, Carrick, Trevor Sinclair, that brilliant team, everyone goes on about the Canio. Um, so I, got, I started training with them when I was quite young, 16, and I got to know Joe Cole quite well. Um, we had the same agent and, and we sort of in the same circles. Um, Glenn Johnson, I knew quite well. Our family's got along, so I got them. But, when I started going into the foot and a bit older, 17, 18, the, the first team players that I got that I got along with really well were mainly the ones I knew. So Elliot Ward, I was really close to him. Jimmy Walker, who we all know and love, um, top man Jimmy. Um, when I started being in around the first team quite a lot, he was brilliant. Bobby Zamora as well, who went my school. He's, he's older than me, but we went to the same school. We knew the same people. So yeah, there was, and I think I think the the, the time I was breaking through. Uh, into the first team and in and around it, there was a good there was a good bunch there. I think we spoke about it before. There was a good group that that got promoted, um, and obviously the FA Cup finals in and around that as well. Where, so there was good lads there at the time, and Mark, uh, and it went and obviously Mark, who I know really well, who I've known for my massive terrible 20, 25 years, something like that. So from playing in the streets, so. But yeah, it was a good group there, and and yeah, we had, we had a decent relationship with some of them. Yeah. Well, you, well, you mentioned him there, Mark Noble. You know, he was a, a long term friend of yours. I mean, how how close were you? I mean, it's true you used to share lifts to the games and stuff, uh, to training and stuff, didn't you, and things like that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I, I can talk a bit more than Mark could ever talk of. He's retired now, so might be a few stories might come out. But <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a bit. I'm a year older than Mark, so yeah, a year and a half older. And, so obviously I I passed test before him. Um I can say now because it was a long time ago. I may have drove may have drove illegally sometimes. Um <laughs> I, I forgot I didn't have a well it was I forgot I didn't have a driving license, I forgot sometimes. So, oh, easily so I was driving and, and, and I easily done, you know, and, and I'm sort of, I was seventeen or something and I've picked yeah, Mark Mark obviously everyone knows he's a Canyon Town boy, but he lived in Bexton at the time and I lived in East Ham. So so I'd pick him up sometimes and we'd go we'd go training or Matthew to train over Little Heath and then obviously different we was lucky enough to train the first team, we train the first team. Um so yeah, we'd we'd I'd pick him up sometimes or I'd drop him home sometimes and but we've known each other. It was before I mean thirteen, fourteen we really the family sort of knew each other. We the sort of the same circles, we'd we'd know people from 
in and in and outside football. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our journey was 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 at exactly the same time really because he, he he made his debut the same day we was on the bench together. So the journey was very similar. Obviously, after that, it went you know, it, it went a completely different direction. I mean, uh, he, he played for fifteen years and I played for, for I didn't play. So so it, it sort of went it, it definitely went a different direction, but. The, the journey was the same up until then and and we both was West Ham boys as well, you know, we both supported West Ham. Um the the, the story about him walking to games, I mean it's a long old fucking walk from, from Bexton, let me tell you that now. Um I was walking to games or if I was on a bench when the squad I lived right around the corner. That's not as my it's just it, it, it's it's just a nice towel, ain't it, to say. But but he he's a local lad and and, and all that. But yeah, so we we've known each other for years and and obviously, after growing up, I was so proud of he made his debut and then kicked on. And after, we, obviously, we, we, we kept in touch and, and the testimony and all other things. So, so, yeah, it's been, it's a when, when I reflect on it, which, which it took me a long time to do, which we'll touch on a bit later, um, and being content with reflecting on it, it's, um, it's unbelievable, really, because he's one of the, and, and I will say, one of the greatest players West Ham produced, I mean, ever, really, when you think about it, what, what, for the, for the longevity, whether whether people think he was the best player, and, and I and I don't think he was, but that for, for the amount of time served and everything like that, I mean, to be a small part of that is unbelievable because he's a he's a top man as well. He's such a good geezer. Um, yeah, in in the journey, mate. Well, you spoke about Mark's debut there, and if I'm right, I think you were supposed to make your debut in the same game, but it didn't happen. So what happened? No. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've told the story before, um, but but we were both buzzing, obviously, to be on the bench. I mean, I think Teddy Sheridan was on the bench as well. Um, it was against Southend in the, uh, the League, League Cup, Carling Cup, whatever it's called at the time. Uh, and, yeah, we were both on the bench, and I think he'd come on, and, and I was... <laughs> and my mate, Alan Pardew, was the manager. Um, <laughs> and, and and he was on the bench. At, I was on the bench, and I got time to warm up. So I'm thinking, right, this is my moment. And I was fucking dreaming of this. Uh, I don't know since I was a little kid. Since I was, and it's very cliche, but it's very true because I was dreaming of it since I was five, six, seven, eight years old, whatever it was, playing for West Ham. Um, and and I'm warming up, and, and the usual, you, you keep looking over to the bench, and I'm looking up to see where my family are and where my mates are, and making sure this is the moment. And he said, Right, you're coming on. So I jogged back to the, to the dugout. Um, and and if anyone's played or any level, it doesn't matter. You, I my stopped up, but I had the slipping shin pads. We just slip in. It takes what I don't know, two seconds, three seconds. And he looked down. And he said, "Are you ready?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm ready, ready, ready." He said, "Where's your shin pads?" And I said, "I'm about to put them on." He went, "Sit the fuck down." And he told me, "Sit down." And I didn't come on. Um, so that from then, um, I was very, very angry, human. Uh, and after the game, I made sure he knew that, and I, I, I threw my boots at him, um, threatened to punch him, and, and all this stuff. And was taken out by the kit. I think Pete Williams was was a kit man, well, he was the assistant at the time. Um, had to sort of tell me to calm down, and I said, uh, and he told me his words. I never forget his words. His words were, "When I tell you to be ready, make sure you're ready." And that was it, really. And that was that was me debut. Not not debut as, as such, you know. So it was oh, no. sort of a it was a stinger, and and it and I held on to that for a very very long time, very long time. 
and the relationship never really got obviously I was 18 at the time so I was young as well and I'd not played and I'd not done nothing to to warrant playing but but the fact that I was nearly that close to doing it um stung me and it, and it, and, it, and yeah it, I was pissed off and and uh it took me a long time to, to get over that um without me really understanding yeah it but it has and it's, it's been part of my journey definitely to where I'm at today so so yeah, but yeah, but then, and then obviously since then after that, the relationship didn't really repair and, and I went alone a few times and played in the league and, and bits and pieces, but I never really achieved any, I didn't achieve anything at West Ham apart from being in squads and stuff, you know, so, so probably an unfulfilled potential really. Well, that story. I mean, I've heard that story before because obviously we've interviewed you and we're and we're good mm-hmm. mates now. We're good mates yeah. now and stuff. And every time, like I hear that story, it makes <laughs> me ang- it makes me angry. I can feel the anger inside. So I can only imagine how you must have felt and how and how your family felt. And I think it's disgusting that uh, a manager would treat a, a young player like that. But you know, I've already made my opinions clear on that, and uh, I don't need to do yeah. it again. But yeah, I, I think that's awful. But as you mentioned there, you had a you know you react. And, and it has been said, not not you know by yourself and by other people that knew you at the time, that you had a few yeah. maybe disciplinary issues um, yeah, whilst you were at the club. Can you kind of talk us like through those? Like what were mm. they and what sort of things happened? Yeah, I mean, part of you was playing with fire, by the way, with that because I was mm. fucking ready to go at any minute, any day. Um, mm. That was my mentality at the time. Um, I think, I think, yeah. I mean, my disciplinary record is not great. It wasn't great. Um, and uh, I think I think what I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't take um, and this is very petulant and childish and uh, <laughs> I couldn't take people telling me what to do um, and it's funny because I was a captain from nearly every every age group I played for even when I went into reserves I was, I was captain a few games I'd always led I must have been from my performances um, and and listen it got better actually but but uh, but but I was an old school defender I was an old defender born in the wrong era in my opinion um, I could look after myself anyway um, I'm six foot two but, but and, I, and, I, and I very much like to make sure people knew that um, but that, that got me up for games that made me whatever whatever I got to in my football career which wasn't where I wanted to get definitely not but that got me to where I did that got me to earn a professional contract nothing changed from when I was 10 to the age of 22 getting released I was the same individual um, as that, so I'd, I'd get sent off a lot. I mean, I remember playing for the uh, youth team on a Saturday. Um, I, I think I was 16 or something, and I got sent off for uh, I think one was a tackle, and then one was descent, but yellow card, second yellow card, the descent. And I remember playing for reserves on a Tuesday, and again, I think I was 16, and and there's a Daniel Redbridge, I'll never forget. And I got, I was playing left, left wing. Don't fucking laugh. I was playing left wing, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, balls going over the finger. I got given offside, and I completely <laughs> lost my rag. Like lost it. And screaming over to linesman on the other side. And I got sent, and I was called him every name under the sun. I got sent off, and it was only about fifteen minutes into the game. So, <laughs> so as much as it, it is funny, it's funny and bits pieces. When I look back on things and reflect as I do today, and as you boys know, the journey I've been on, um, that. That this there was there was I was never I was never look I don't know if it was a case of someone literally putting their arm around me and having a word with me properly. I never had that really um and I don't want to go too deep too early. It never had that indoors because it was very geezery and blokey and I was down a pub from a young age, it's all get on with things, but you sort yourself out, bits and pieces. 
which is which is life and, and, and people go through that as well. And it was never someone going, look, he's fucking grabbing hold of me, apart from the one time with Glenn Roder, that someone got hold of me and said, you've got proper potential and chance here. Um, but you keep fucking it up because you keep wanting to kill everyone on the pitch. And that was my tenet. And the, and the, the problem I think I had was I loved West Ham so much. Literally, I wanted to play, I wanted to be the face of Mr. of West Ham so much, um, being from the manor, that, that it meant so much to me. Every kick of the ball, like a friendly, um, meant I had to win. I wanted to win at all costs. I remember my hero saying, Julian Dix, I remember him saying a quote, and he said, I'd rather cheat than lose. And that was my mentality. I'd rather cheat than lose. I'd rather cheat than lose. And, and, and I took that... I just didn't want to lose. I was trying to, I wanted to win, and 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 obviously it went too far sometimes. Um, and wasn't managed correctly by myself and others around me. So yeah, it, it didn't great. And one of the other, one of the other examples uh, that's just come to my head. Sorry, when I talk about friendlies, I would, I remember it was played like a Mexican team or something like that, and it was over a little heath, and we were playing. I think it was a little bit of I can't remember. It was, it was mainly youth team players. And Mark was playing. The other was playing. And um, I chinned one of their players on the pitch, literally laid him out, sparked him out, and it all kicked off. Mm. And it was only because he just tried to do me down the back of their legs. Like, it's nothing. I've done the same thing. And as soon as I got, I went bang, cracked him. And then, and then, and then it, all just, it all just went off. And, and by the way, I'm not saying these things to be hard or thinking, it just happened. These things happened. So this happened. And I think uh, the, the fuse was so short, and I was knocking around. And off the pitch, there was things happening as well. I was in wrong circles, bits and pieces. And, 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 and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so it's probably my ego and, and from, from young age that, that, that thought, I'm the, I'm the bollocks, like, you can't touch me. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, I went a bit round the asses there, but, but to explain that the fact that this is the, the, the anger and, and anger's been a big part of my life, Dave, and uh, it's been a big part of my life and it took me to some, some dark places and some places, things I shouldn't have done and bits and pieces. So, so yeah, it's been, that was part of it, mate. It just wasn't uh, dealt with correctly. Well, let's talk about when you was actually released by West Ham because it's hard for any player to be released by a club, but you were being released yeah. by a club that you adored and your boyhood club that you grew up loving and watching. How did you feel yeah. at the time when that happened? Oh, give me a little shivers now, though, thinking about it. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know what? I haven't spoke about this. Well, I mean, we spoke about it before, and it was sort of more, more a. Uh, I was trying to joke you, joke it off a little bit, but you just saying that give me a little bit of goose pimples. Um, yeah, it was tough, mate. It was hard. It was horrible. It was a. Uh, I was. I think I was kind of twenty six. I was nearly twenty seven. Although I hadn't been involved really in the first team that year, I, it was inevitable I was going to get released. Um, but I, I still clinged on to the fact that it can't happen to me. Can't happen to me. No way. I am like the local lad. Surely this is this is meant to be, you know. Um, even though again, the writings were on the wall. Really, um, I was involved in the first team and bits and pieces, and it 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 hurt. And I remember again, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. That leaving the ground, I I actually wasn't told by anyone face to face. I was given. I was told by phone call, um, and that really hurt me. I was disappointed by that. Um, and and I still wasn't sure if I'd been released or not. It was a bit it was a bit shit to honestly, the way they'd done it. Which 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 still is a yeah, it's not it wasn't wasn't done correctly if I'm being honest. But it was what it was and, and I remember 
um, then telling me so that so the next day or uh, I mean when I was told that and I, I still didn't refuse to believe first of all but I just broke down crying I was I was gutted I just thought what it last forever you know um, and it didn't it didn't and I remember going back to the training ground whether it's a day after two days after or probably a few days after because I, I went out on kiss for a couple of days I remember that um, and I went back to the ground and I had to just there was no one there. There was no one there, and, and I just got a black bag and nicked everyone's football Um just, just, just nicked everything I could nick, we always said, yeah. Yeah, sorry, and I think I took about four pairs of your boots down. Um, <laughs> Marlon here, well, I definitely owe you a pair. Um, Bobby. Um, I had his name on one of them, I definitely had a pair of Bobby's. Um, but I, um, yeah, and I obviously took my boots and hit, I just, took everything and it's all in a black bag, literally a black bag. And I, and I walked out the ground and, and the security guard was there. Um, and he just, as he just drove that, I drove that and he fucking called stuff. Um, I, <laughs> uh, and, and I drove that and I stopped. It was in the old Chevrolet training gun. I stopped as he drove out the gate, he shut the gate. And I just turned around and I fucking kicked this rock thing. And it was just, and I just kicked it at the fence and I was just staring and I was like, I can't believe this has happened. And instantly went from being pissed off with Parju, the club, everyone else, blaming everyone else, just to fucking hating myself and blaming myself instantly. And I went home and, and, I, and, I, and I cried to my nan again, you know, at 20 or 21, 20 years old. And I was so gutted. And, and, and then that, that turned into a, a binge, a, a go out, drink, just forget it. And then I disappeared for four to five weeks on a on a on a fucking mad I don't know what it was. Just just just, just forget. Forget. Just forget. Um and and that was really the start of, of my probably life change and, and definitely obviously football career, really. I mean, did you, what, I mean, I know the answer to this, but to the people listening, what kind of happened to your football career after being released by West Ham? Where, where did you end up? What and, and how? Yeah, I, I, I found it tough, X. I found it really fucking tough. Um, for me, uh, I, I, I say I went, I went away, I, I tried to self-sabotage my, my, my life, really. I didn't care about anything. So I disappeared for four or five weeks. Um, but still thinking... Well, I've cut, I've left the Premier League club, but I'll get a club this week. Don't worry about it. No problem. Um, <laughs> very naive, you know, um, without you know guidance again, really. Uh, and and come back weeks before the season started, <laughs> thinking, all right, who's going to take me? <laughs> Funny enough, no fucker was ringing the phone. Um, uh, and and I had to just find a club, and 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 from that, and then I went from from a Premier League club, albeit not a Premier League player. I was in a squad, so I never appeared for the for the club in, in the Premier League um, to playing in the Ryman Premier Division for Billericay Town. Um, so the drop was championship. He won these, I mean, it's six sets, something like that. It's six leagues, whatever it is. Um, so that was really a fuck. And then I just signed there. And, and the reason I signed was because I knew a couple of lads. The Aussies was there. I was getting some sound player. Uh, Billy McMahon is a goalkeeper. And I knew a couple of boys. And I just wanted to play. And I went there. And I didn't know where Billericay was. I honestly did not know where Billericay was. Um, and so, so much that, as, as you hear nowadays, more and more now, kids, the, the lads in the academy stuff are so looked after and everything. Even then, it was the fact that you got looked after, well, that like you didn't have to, like, I didn't know where anything outside of fucking 
past Barkin. I didn't know outside London. That was it. Essex. Fucking really looking. And it was. I signed there just to play. And, 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 and from then, from then, I just, just played non-league. I just played non-league football. And, and I had a chance at Billericay's first season. We had a really good year. And I remember we got to the FA Cup first round, which was brilliant for that level. And played Swansea and a few teams are looking at me again. Um, but, and a club come, Forest Green invited me up and I said, no, I don't want to go. I might be to play. And the reason was because I loved the environment surrounding me with, with going out, being able to go out more. And, and I got already settled into that non-league mentality, which is which is brilliant. I'm not knocking it. It's just there it is, going from that. And and from then, again, that was my football career. It was, it was a non-league career. Um, I played for Southend when I was on West Ham on loan. I played for Hereford in the conference. I played for Southend League 2. Both both loans were successful. I mean, we got promoted both times from conference to League Two for the club I was at, Hereford, um, and for, for Southend from League Two to League One. So, so I, I had I had I've been part of success. I mean, I didn't really play, but I was part of success. Um, but but my career, as such, which I used in air bracket, um, is it was a non-league career, it was quite a good non-league career. Um, but but that was it, really. That was it, yeah. Mm. Well, fast forward a number of years and you were asked by Mark Noble to play in his testimonial. What was that like? Because your kit was also next to your idol and my idol, Julian Dix, and you also played yeah. against Paolo as well. I mean, it must have yeah. been an amazing experience. Oh, what a day. What a day. What a, what, what a, what a build-up. Fucking what a build-up. The, the, the thing is now, I've lost a bit of weight. The kit that we wear would fit me better now. I'm gutted because it was fucking touch tight. Look at all touch tight. It looked like blue paint. Um, <laughs> it was someone drawing a hammers on the chest. So um, I think again, I think you know, but I remember getting the uh, the the build up to it again. I was very much um, uh, uh, going out a lot and stuff like. So I was I was tweeting a bit a bit a bit loose at the time, and and I remember getting into Mark when the announcement come and I thought brilliant he deserves this oh, I've got to be playing uh, considering I just spoke to him for, for I don't know how long I, my, my head was telling me oh, I should be playing um, and, and I remember on to him every week it was about eight weeks before the game was played the announcement come something like that eight weeks and every week I'd be like right you've got seven weeks start tweeting Mark got seven weeks uh, when any chance of a message where, 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 right, let's get me down and sort me out and plan in I think six, five, four, three, two, and it got to that a week before it, and I said, "Right, this is your last chance, son." And obviously, it's a tongue in cheek, but I'm going to say, "Last chance, um, I'm going to start uh, releasing some stories." Obviously, I wouldn't do that, and it wasn't like that. And there is no story to release, by the way. He's an angel. What I'm saying is, uh, my my head was telling me all these things were okay to say and do. Um, my ego was like out of control, and I was like, and I sort of yeah, give him a little dig, and and. Weirdly enough, we had a mutual friend anyway, Darren Betchett, who, um, who, who, who said, Mark's going to, a couple of days later, he said, Mark's going to call you. I said, you're joking. He said, yeah, you're going to call you. You're going to play. I said, brilliant. So two days before the game. No, it was, yeah, it was on a Sunday, I think, the game. Or Monday, I can't remember. It was the day before the game. And I was in work. And I worked in Ford for motor company at the time in the factory. Um, I told you my career didn't go to school. So I was in the factory and um, <laughs> I was sitting there and he <laughs> rang me. He rang me. I'm sitting on this fucking workbench with um, it was I remember I was eating a ham and cucumber sandwich out of tinfoil, and I thought, <laughs> I said, "Do you have a wind up?" He rang me and said, "Are you fancy fancy twenty minutes tomorrow?" No, it was a text, and I rang him. I said, "You're gonna fucking laugh." I'm waiting for this message for for how long? And and I couldn't believe it. And I was so 
I mean, I think it was a relief when I think that was asked, and I was so privileged then. And we had a joke about it after Mark, and and to turn up on the day um, was was unbelievable, Dave. It was such an experience that I'll never forget. Um, and I was surrounded with people that I played with, um, who I knew, um, and also obviously people like Legend Palo, the Canio, Trevor Brooklyn was there, obviously um, Billy Bonds was there, um, all these heroes and 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 players that that were just 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 I, I looked up to and couldn't believe I was in the same change room as them. Um, and obviously the, the the legend that is Julian Dix, who who yeah you're right. I told you before, he, he, I was sitting next to him in the change room, but they put us on a fucking stool. They didn't even have my own peg. Liberty. So, <laughs> um, absolute liberty. But to be next to him, he had a chair as well. So I thought, it's good enough for him, obviously, it's enough for me. And, and I just couldn't believe it. I was looking around and I wanted to go and film loads of stuff and video stuff. I got there, I just got it all. I was just so in awe. But, 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 but I was nervous as well. I was really nervous um, before. And when I got there, I sort of relaxed. And the reason I relaxed is, which I come to find was one of my my defects of character really that, that I tried to try to make everyone laugh all the time and be the joker and be the be the loud one. And I instantly got back into that change room mentality. And it's brilliant to be it was listen, it was brilliant to be around everyone and I loved it. Um but yeah, I think I I I, I, I hid the, the 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 anxiousness and the nervousness with playing the fool and the clown and just being loud and being me. So what I thought was me really and, and it was like it was such an unbelievable day. I mean it was packed. It was at Upton Park. It was the last season at Upton Park. Um, and I got about half an hour on the pitch. I mean, what a day. Now, what a day. And obviously, I got to take a penalty and scored an unbelievable penalty. And I scored an, un- did I, oh, an unbelievable penalty. And I scored an unbelievable <laughs> penalty. Sorry, no, no, I mean, look, that's bollocks. I'm just saying that tongue in cheek. But, but it was like, it could not have gone better today in well, regard to that. Well, speaking of that penalty, mate, like obviously knowing you and knowing sort of how sort of your fragile your mindset was with your career and stuff, what do you think yeah. would have happen, happened to you if you'd stepped up and taken that penalty and like scuffed it or blast it over? I mean, as it was, like you say, it was perfect, top corner, yeah. couldn't have been saved. Yeah. But what, but what yeah. would have happened to you, do you think, if you'd left that pitch and you'd blasted oh. it over or something? You know what? No one has ever asked me that question. No one. Good mm. question, next. Well done. Give Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, to, can, you tell, can you tell no. Martin Allen that I do them occasionally? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? No one's ever asked me that. Wow. Good question. Um, my missus was heavily pregnant. It was two weeks after. I think, thinking how my mental state was at the time and knowing what I've been through since that not that day, but the last few years, I think if uh, my missus weren't pregnant, something serious might have. I think I, think I would have struggled badly. Mm-hmm. I think that would have really affected me. Um, I would have tried to laugh it off first, possibly, but I think there could have been some, some situations and circumstances that would have put me in, a, in, in some places that I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reality of it. And I've never thought of it like that before. And luckily, I'm a fucking great penalty taker. Man. I've got a number <laughs> so that's got me out of fucking trouble, isn't it? But, yeah. no. <laughs> no, but you know what? No one's ever asked me that. And yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely, um, yeah, I wouldn't like to think what would happen because although it's funny and it wasn't about me, it was about me. Because my mental state telling me 
that day was about me. Um, mm. And yeah, I, would, I, I probably would have struggled, mate, to answer that. It would have been, yeah, it would have been, I can't say for still, but um, I mean, our baby comes through that and, and, and sort of changed that, but, but it didn't matter anyway. But yeah, that's, that, I've never thought about it like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, probably it would have been some, um, I mean, yeah, some, some dark situations possibly. Mm. Well, talk, talking of dark situations, I mean, me and X were in the stand that day, as were so many other fans, and uh, watching you, you played like a fan. You played like you was literally soaking <laughs> up every single I second. Like you, had, you, had a, you had a smile on your face. And uh, to people that didn't mm-hmm. know you, it looked like life couldn't be any better for you. But that yeah. wasn't the case, was it? And, um, you know, that sort of kind of leads me to talk to you about some dark times in your life around that period. What can mm-hmm. you tell us about life once that full time whistle went at Upton Park? Yes, so, yes, yeah, of course. Um, so for me, it was obviously that that was a, again. I don't, I don't, I want to make sure everyone understands that that was a great day. That was an unbelievable day for me. That was a day that I thought personally at the time that I drew a line under me getting released and and not fulfilling my potential and not being what Mark become. You know, that's what was meant to happen in my head in my for Mark for 12 years I've dedicated everything to that and I thought that was going to happen it didn't but uh, I would say that since that what happened was it, it didn't it, it didn't it didn't for, for a week later I, I I was sort of I was in a bit of a daze I remember going back to work the next day and I was buzzing off it obviously for a few days and I was everyone was tweeting like in a penalty and, and, and I was getting loads of attention and a couple of interviews here and there I sort of got through the week but then Three or four weeks later, I was fucked, and I, and I felt, and I started reflecting a little bit. So reflection is is <laughs> is a uh, is a funny thing. So I started reflecting on what 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 could have been, what should have been, and I thought, wow, fuck, okay, mm, that was a good day. But why wasn't it me who was having the testimonial? Why wasn't it this? It should have been me, and and all these things that come in into play and. As I mentioned, my daughter, my, my daughter was born during this time as well. So, so I remember about two weeks later, as you do, you have wet the baby's head, and and everyone was still talking about it because it was relatively new. And I remember my my the wet the baby's head. I remember it was all that big group of us, and I remember going back to uh, someone's house and for carrying a drinking and stuff, and 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 I was crying my eyes out. <laughs> I was falling my eyes out, and I think it was just obviously drinking and all the other stuff that come with that, and the emotional side of it was there. But but I was talking about it, and and I was like a fucking train wreck. Um, it was yeah, I was I was I think I was struggling then, but again, just crossed over it and just just, just forgot it ever happened the next day, and and moved on. Um, but I mean that was just the start of the next few years, really. To be honest with you. So, I mean, I was 30, 31. At, I mean, how long ago was it? Five years? Am I right? Sorry about the timeline. I'll make sure the timeline's right. Was it five years ago? Five or six years ago? I think it was a, uh, yeah, I mean, it was 2016 was the testimony. Yeah. You'll say, yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So, yeah, so six years. So, yeah, I was about 30, 31, so I'm, I'm 36 now. And, and the years moving on from then has, has not been great. I mean, I struggled really bad. And, and, um, I'm happy to go into some of the details. I mean, you've got any other questions to ask, but, but that was sort of a, that was sort of a, yeah, I thought it was a great day and it was, but the reflection side of me was, what if, why, why wasn't it me? What, all these questions started to ask and, and I struggled bad. And 
and and it continued for a few years, mate. I mean, is it, is it fair to say? I mean, obviously, I, I I knew you during this time, as did Dave. It's fair to say yeah. that pretty much most things became difficult. Obviously, your relationship with your girlfriend became strange. You had financial issues. You became yeah. reliant on drink and other yeah. things. Um, yeah. You know, how, how dark did it get? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, um, so, so, yeah, I mean, as the years, a couple of years went on, I was drinking more, definitely. I was definitely drinking more. Um, I mean, listen, when I was 16, 17, I liked to drink proper. I was drinking beer. I was drinking beer from 14, 15 years old. Um, um, but it was, I would say, life was manageable at the time. So at this time now in my life, and it's not because of the testimonial thing, it was just my life in general. I was struggling to deal with certain things, but it was all based around drink. So the two or three times a week turned out to be four, five, six, seven times a week. Um, and drugs come into play. And, and when... Uh, in from my from my start, cocaine come into play, um, and for me it was um, yeah it, it 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 took hold of me bad. The drink combined with that, um, not that I hadn't before, but this really was 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 dictating my life. It dictated my mood on a daily basis. I was reliant on drink and drugs, um, and and. I I got to 34 years old and I was banging trouble. This had been going on. I was I was drinking every day. I was I was I was not sleeping. Um and I I, I my my missus moved out with with my child. Um or couldn't be near me really. Didn't trust me. I uh, didn't blame her. Um any money that I earned at work. I mean I was getting to work some days. Some days I wasn't. Um, I was getting to fights. I was, um, I tried to, <laughs> not funny because it, it's something that happened. I tried to run someone over uh, at, at, at my workplace. Um, I got sacked, obviously. Um, any money that I earned was going on drinking and, and, and my lifestyle. And, and it took over. And, and by the time I was 34, I was banging in trouble. It turned every day, every day. Um, obviously, with this come, um, which, which is a subject I don't want to talk about, but but with with lockdown, um, and no one could fucking leave their ass, but I was still getting paid. So I was getting paid, I didn't have to work, so I didn't even have to think about work, um, because I did get another job in between, but which I again lost. But um, and I was I was getting paid, I did that, and I was using every day, drinking every day, waking up some days, some days not sleeping, um, and 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 then I ended up on my own in the house. Um, it took me to literally the brink. I say, my missus left my, when my child was probably four at the time, three at the time, four at the time. Um, basically, my, my my life dependent. I was like, I was dependent on drink um, to, to the point that I ended up being this big loud. I've always been this big loud, cockney geezer with all these people wrapped around me. Some people I knew and didn't, but I loved that being being the being the geezer, being the bloke, being the man that surrounded with all these people. Um, to being uh, on my own in a house, contemplating suicide um, because I'd lost everything, lost what I thought was everything anyway. Um, and the people that were closest to me, i.e., my missus, she finally enough was enough. But it was there was days on end where I wasn't coming home. Um, yeah, well, it was it was it was really 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 dark and and 
and and the suicidal thoughts come into play and and, and I tried to act up on one of them once and, and that took me to um yeah I wrote a couple of suicide notes I wrote my, my missus and my daughter um which is <laughs> which is which is very very deep and 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 I, and I, I was sort of stopped to doing it um I've stopped doing it and to do what I wanted to do, I mean, by 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 ending my life, and 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 that stopped, and I was I was stopped, and and the next day, my 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 missus, who still cared about me so much, through all this madness, all this shit I was caused in my life because because of the drink and the use and everything that come into it, um, she asked my two best friends of of twenty five thirty years who 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 basically saved my life really that they they rang the PSA up for me. Um, and they started to, to to get me help. Um, but I was so resistant to it. I didn't want it. Hated everyone. Everyone's fault. Um, and and that was it. But it took me to my knees. Like literally, it fucking took me to my knees. This this which I've come to to, to later realize this disease of, of what I have this alcoholism. Um, it took me to my knees. It literally cut off my legs, and that was it. And yeah, but. Uh, the long road of recovery started probably not long after that. Um, yeah, and it's continued since. But but it was yeah, it was it was very very serious. And and it all comes and we'll talk about it later again. But it's, you see Tyson Fury talking about mental health. You see Paddy Pimlet the other day talking about mental health, talking about suicide and people we love and not talking. And it, it's the simplest. It's I used to think that was all bollocks. I never heard of AA and all this stuff before. Um, but literally, just by telling someone something, you you don't look. I understand when you stand the pub. When I was in the pub with Dave, who was well, I Dave is, you know, Greg, who I just met fucking ten minutes ago, but now he's my best mate. I'm not going to tell him. Oh, you know what, Greg? I, I, feel, oh, I feel a bit funny. Babe. I don't feel right. Is that all? Is that normal? He's not going to go. Yeah. Oh, come here, mate. We'll talk about it. Go, Fuck off. Have another beer. That's there it is. Um, but I've later come to that I can't manage without programming place and and it took me like it took me to my knees to be to get to that point um to, to recover thankfully yeah. i have and you think that that was your lowest point when you was writing those suicide that's notes? my rock bottom. yeah that's my rock bottom that's my rock bottom that was what we what i'll, what I'll call what what people with fellows i call fellows would, would say is your rock bottom yeah because everything has gone bad if there was i was sleeping in my car um, I was, I had no money. I was spending the money I got from work, getting out payday loan because I just could not, I didn't want to feel normal. I didn't want the drink or, or whatever I was doing to, feel, to to wear off. I did not want to feel normal. Just didn't want it to be like that. Um, I just wanted to live in this non-reality place and eventually just, if, if it takes me, it takes me, fuck it. That is, that is my mentality. Um, at the time, that was where I was at. Um, so yeah, yeah, it took me. But that was yeah, definitely. Sorry, to answer your question. Yeah, that was my rock bottom, and that was the day. Um, it's still, it's still, I'm still resistant. <laughs> but, but, but that was yeah, that was really probably what I would say one or not the turning point, but the the point to say right, I'm going to speak to someone and then get the ball rolling. Yeah. So what was you drinking? How much was you drinking? And how much coke mm-hmm. was you doing on a daily basis at this point? Okay, so uh. Um, I was probably drinking, 
do a case of beer. Um, I'd probably do a bottle of spirit. But I'd do a case of beer a day. Easy. Um, I was spending, on average, Feels good a day on it all in everything really daily, daily. daily. and that went on that went on for fucking ages and that was where the financials started coming because obviously you can't give up that last no, I'm, I'm I'm not a rich man I, I was borrowing I was fucking doing this I was I was lying to get money I was stealing I was I was doing whatever I could because the disease had completely took over me I was fucked I was on my knees I was and and this is before I, I I asked for help and finally admitted and was was admitted that my life become unmanageable. Before I admitted that was that that was where I was at, yeah. And I just, just kept getting payday loans that um getting bang, you can do it online, bang there you go, got it. That loads of money you can. It was and it was silly stuff like two hundred and fifty quid here, fifty five hundred quid here, two hundred quid here and, and, and like I'm still paying them off today and I think in my life a lot more manageable that, that I'm in a good position to do that. We're not in good position, but I'm, 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 we're, we're, we're at above water and I'm, I'm cracking on and, and life's decent. I mean, I can't, I can't, can't lie, but, but yeah, it, it completely took over. I was doing a case of beer a day. I was doing, Dave, I was doing whatever I could get my hands on, mate. Whatever mm-hmm. I could get my hands on and whoever would buy me a drink or whoever I would be able to get a drink here, there, everywhere. I was moving bits of stuff everywhere just to, just to do that because that was what life had come. Literally that. Um, and, it's, and if, if you'd ask me, <laughs> I, remember, I remember being in my car, and I can remember this very vividly. I was sitting in my car. I don't know, I pulled into some lay-by. Some, I was driving fucking everywhere again, stupidly. And, and I was sitting in a car, pulled up somewhere. I was, I was pissed up. I was, I was crying. I was screaming. I was laughing. I was doing all these things all on my own. And I, and I looked, I remember seeing myself in the mirror, and I went, and I remember this boiling up with anger and screaming at myself just just going crazy and I couldn't believe where I was at I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe that <laughs> I couldn't believe that me that this is how I felt that this is before um, recovery that I had put myself not put myself in this I was in this position I just if you'd ask the 18, 19, 20 the 30 year old me in 4 years or 14 years you're going to be in a car when you're out with your child somewhere else, you know, um, up to your debt, up to your eyeballs in debt, um, at your box in a car, um, I would have thought, thought you're mad, you know? Um, so yeah, that is where it took me, mate. And that, that, that that's where, that's where this disease can, can, can really take over. And, and it's, and it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's a daily thing for me. So, mm. so yeah. That's something we can touch on as well. But it is, it's, it's, that is where, yeah, at my height, mate, yeah, I'd say that's where I was at, yeah. When you look back, Darren, yeah, when you were sitting down writing those suicide <laughs> notes, mm-hmm. do you think at that point you genuinely wanted to die? Or do you think that was the start of a cry for help because you wanted to live, but just differently? Good question again. I think these boys are on fire. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think I wanted to die. I think I wanted to die. I think if if I had, by the way, if I had a gun there, I would have shot myself. That's how I felt, definitely. Um, I had a blade there. I was digging myself. I was tempting it. I was 
I was contemplating, do it, do it. Maybe I made myself bleed. Um, so yeah, but by the grace of God, I was I was someone saving. So but yeah, I, I do believe that that was my time to go. Yeah, yeah, and and I do believe that I wanted to. Yeah, because I I again, as I said, I was like my rock bottom. I had nothing uh, in my head at that time. I had nothing to lose. I had nothing. I I, I had nothing. Like, I can't repair a relationship. I can't do this. I can't do this. Everything's gone. Forget it. No self-care. I didn't care about myself anymore. I mean, that, 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 that had slowly gone quite quickly anyway. But, yeah, that was it. That was where I was at. So, yeah, I think I, I do believe so, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't say that lightly because, because it's not a nice, it's not a thing. And, and I've, I've come to know a lot of people since I've come into recovery who have lost their lives, who have, not been able to get over their disease, who have relapsed and come back in the room for a little bit, but then just not and, and passed away and killed themselves and committed suicide. So I don't say it lightly at all because I've been I've had a couple of people close to me who have done the same thing who I've got to know and and next day that a week later they they're gone. So um I understand these people because I am one of these people. So I understand what how hard it is. Um so the year uh I'll say these people these fellows that's what we are as fellows but um, yeah I, I, yeah I do to answer your question again Dave so I've got many answers mate but it's just to touch on the point that but yeah I do believe that yeah I'll, it was yeah, it was meant or I wanted to die yeah mm. well let's talk about the day that your life changed and I'm sure during this time you didn't realise it was going to change but it was a good friend of yours that took <laughs> control and pretty much forced you into rehab what do you remember about that time oh oh fucking hell that was a, that was, um, so I two of my mates for 30 years drove, drove 100 miles to my ass to, in the middle of the night, stop me taking a, again, stop me overdosing on pills. So that was another circumstance, sorry. Um, they, they drove all that well. So they, they, they come there and that was a play that they give me, they, they, they spoke, they'd already spoke to the, obviously being an ex professional footballer, I was fortunate enough to be able to, um, get help for the PFA. Um, so, they spoke to the PFA off their own back. I didn't know this was this was all available anyway. Um, they spoke to the PFA and they spoke to a guy called Jeff Whitley, who was an ex-Manchester City player, who who works within the within PFA, and he he said, "Yep, it's okay, but he needs to ring me. He needs to ring me. He needs to be willing to, to speak to, to call me and start his journey." So he <laughs> give me a phone number and I said, "Fuck off, I ring you." He's like, "Fuck off. They want to ring me. They can ring me." Like they want to help. If they want to help me, they can help me. So I was still resistant because I had an attitude and an ego that was like, I know I want to. I'm on my ass and I have nothing. And literally, trust me, I had nothing. But I was still better than these people. I couldn't call them. They had to call me. Um, but no, I, they they didn't leave till I made the call. So I made the call. I was forced. Uh, I would and I would say I was I was pushed and made the call. Even though deep down I probably wanted to. Um, I made the call, spoke to the PFA, spoke to, spoke to Jeff and got the ball rolling. And then, um, again, um, as I'm so grateful for, um, for the PFA, they work alongside the uh, charity, Sporting Chance Charity, which is run by Tony Adams. And, and I was put in touch with um, a counsellor from there, a counsellor from there. Um, and again, it was during lockdown and COVID and stuff. So, so the wait is time to get in there was a bit longer than normal. But they said, right, I have given contact with him on a daily basis. Like called Barry Trot, who I'm forever grateful for. Um, 
I love the man. He, he helped. He, he saved my life. Um, he 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 kept in contact with me on a daily basis, and and I keep calling. And all of a sudden, I was calling every day. Every day I was calling. Yeah, this that the other. Went through a sort of in, interview type thing. He shout away. Went yeah, you're fucked. You need to get in here. Um, um, you're back in trouble, mate. You need some help. Um, it's quite clear. And um, I think it was three weeks later or something like that. I was in, I was in the, the clinic, the rehab centre. Um, chance. So, uh, yeah, that's where it started. So, so, when you talk about being in the rehab centre, like, what does that mean? Like, how long? How long are you there for? And and what does the day consist of? And what sort of things do you yeah. do when you're there? Uh, it's 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 a, it's a four week. I was in there for four weeks. This this, this specific rehab centre. Obviously, there are loads of other with the brilliant work. Um, this one, obviously, through they, I think, um, it's four weeks. Twenty. I think it's 26 days I've been there, but four weeks, say, four weeks in there. Um, and it's designed to obviously find out really where the main issue lies. So within drink, drugs, gambling, uh, mental health in, in general. Um, and you get structure back in your life, really. The main thing for me was structure. I lost that. Um, one of the main things, should I say, I had no structure. My days and nights were all over the gap. So we, um, again, I'll tell the journey there. So, Obviously, I'm ringing up day day the day before I went. I had to go to um, to the clinic. Um, my two best friends again stayed at my house, stayed there, drove all the way, drove me there because I had no car by this time because I fucking sold that for money, um, which I didn't get myself, and it's still that for me. That even that, even that, that my, by this point, sorry, my missus let me stay back in the house and she moved out. So this while I was in my house, our house, with my two friends who stayed, they drove me. Um, the next morning, seven o'clock morning, to Portsmouth, <laughs> um, which is not around a corner, and pulled up, and I had all their bags of stuff and my bag of clothes, and and I had, and I've got to mention this because it's a story I share a lot. Um, that I had a bag full of um, like Lucasade, Haribo, chocolate, all this folks that I was going to a fucking field trip at school, uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I pulled up, and and the guy who had to come straight out is a lovely, the setting's beautiful there. Um, it's a cottage, and it works alongside Champions Hotel. It's unbelievable facilities. But we, you get there, and and the guy, the main guy, come out, counselor, and he, and he looks at me, and he's he, he could tell I was having trouble, and I was like, what's this gaff all about? I'm still very much full of ego, and and again, it's just funny because I had nothing, but I was still judging everyone. <clears throat> that the fact that I had a bag of all these things, and he said you can't take them in. I said, what? He said, you can't take them in. I said, fuck this, I'm going home. And I tried to get back in the car. And he looked at him, and I got back in the car with my mates, and I said, this prick won't let me take my sweeties in. And I kept using the term sweeties. And I never forget that day. I never forget <laughs> saying sweeties. Because I just kept saying it. He's, taking my, he's not letting me take my sweeties in there. He's not saying her. And that is where I was at. That is where I was at in my life. I was a child in me would not go. I would not. Anything I couldn't have. Mm. that way was fuck everyone else that was where mm. I was at and that reaffirmed not the time but looking back at it as I have done kept saying that and, I, and then my mates like just fucking drove off and that's left me there <clears throat> I got going and even going into the clinic I was obviously there was, four, there was four of us in there so four lads in there from sporting backgrounds or either current or ex sporting sporting people whether it's football rugby jockeys boxers all, all types you get from, from the sporting world to go through there and <clears throat> and and I was stuck in this little bedroom for four weeks 
Um, and that was the start of it. And and the first thing I said to them was, don't even think about trying to make me cry because I'm going to throw you for the wind if you try it. <laughs> and I was still, because I was so angry. I was still so angry with everyone. Made, everyone made me do this, you know. It was everyone else's fault. It made me do this. I was mm. raging. All this anger inside me has come to the come to the forefront again. And I was just like, nah, they can't, they can't tell me. And and, and they've heard it all before, you know. And, and within a day, I was bawling my eyes out. I was fucked. I was bang trouble. I knew for the first time I was an alcoholic addict who was struggling, who had serious, serious mental health problems, who had serious drink problems, who, who, who if he didn't go through this and work this program and work this four weeks as well as I can, I'm going to come out and I'm not going to survive it. I realised quite quickly. I mean, the first week was hard. I mean, the, the, the structure of the place is unbelievable. You, you, you're doing different sessions and, and some some theory, some some practical, um, and it's mixed in with fitness stuff. So you got the gym as well, and 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 this and I think, I, think, I believe to say physical fitness is 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 part of it. for me. It's not as much as your mental state, but mental. But I feel that physically, if you can be physically as as well as you can, like you ain't got to be Mr. Muscle, but you can look after yourself a little bit, go for a jog or whatever it is that definitely helps. And that got me into Basically, that gave me structure more than anything. At 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to the gym from 7 to 8. 8 till 9, we're doing this. 9 till 10, and they give me structure. And that place is amazing. That place, I cannot... I am forever grateful. I love that place. I love the people there. And I embraced it. Some people don't. Some people do. That's just the illness. That's just what happens. I embraced four weeks in there. I, there was things I didn't want to do, and I've done them, and... And I've come to know myself and understand. And, but the main thing was admitting that I was an alcoholic. I needed help. And I needed that. Admitting that my life was unmanageable. Step one stuff, which, again, I don't want to go too deep within it all, but step one stuff, admit your life was unmanageable. Um, and, yeah, my life become unmanageable, sorry. Um, and, yeah, admitting, admitting, admitting it. And just being honest. For the first time in a long time, I've been honest because... Dave, X, you know me. Yeah? I've always turned up. I've been to events since the start. The one up in the park when it first started. And I fucking loved it. I've always done been in bubbly. I'm trying to make a joke. I'm trying to laugh. A lot of that was to cover up. But I'll turn up to some of your events at Tree, and it was only 9 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. I've already gone. Uh, my life was just out of control. But that place just got me back into control. And it set me on my path to start. The four weeks was incredible. Um, we went to meetings. I mean, I was surrounded by all these alcoholics and addicts and all these other people. And and it's funny because we, we used to get taken to these meetings in these church halls at 8 o'clock at night. And I remember, just as you do sometimes, you, know, you go past the church, you see people outside, and you'd always go, fucking Bible bashers, have a look. And you think, look, 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 outside 8 o'clock at night, I've got nothing fucking better to do. And really, <laughs> it was all, I've come to know all these years later, it was probably an AA meeting or an NA meeting or it was this or that or whatever it was. And yeah. It was that. And, um, and it's crazy. A life completely turned 180 degrees on me. And it's like, wow, you know. And um, yeah, and that's the journey. And, and, and then that day, I come out of the clinic and, and so how resistant I was going in, I didn't want to fucking leave. And I was so crying that I didn't want to leave. And I felt safe there and this environment that they build there and, and the help that they give you, and you've got to go, they give you this list of meetings, you've got to do this, and and it, but it's all simple stuff. It was just, just keep doing it, keep consistent. Um, and again, 
the meetings and the people I've met along the way um, to this day because I'm, I'm I'm actually two years sober clean next week. So mm-hmm. it's it's uh it's incredible. I mean, if if you ask people that don't have seen me for I don't know years and they just know me from oh it's Lewis, um they wouldn't believe that I'm not having a beer. So I've, mm-hmm. I'm I'm back in football now, as you know, like on leagues with Harlow Town. Uh, I'm incredibly grateful as well. I've got, I've got to thank them whilst I remember because they've helped me give me structure and, and give me a chance back in the club that I play for and I love and the chairman and the owner and the manager of, of great people and I love that club. So, um, that, that, yeah, that, that's all. I, I just, I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so grateful for things now that I wasn't before. It's, mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's some journey, mate. It's mm, got me just nearly two years sober clean. No one would, no one would have believed it. If I meet people now at games who, Again, wouldn't wouldn't have seen me for a few years. So, do you want a beer? I go, no, I'm all right. And they go, oh, do you want a beer? You talking about? I'm very prick. And I go, I'm not really doing. I'm not drinking no more. Oh fuck off! Because it's the same mentality that they just think they don't know the difference, and it's not me. Mm. And I've got no problem with that because why would they know? They're not in the wrong. I, it's, it, I can't drink. And then when I just a couple people I've told, look, I'm, I'm, I'm in recovery. Like I'm, I'm, I'm recovering. I'm nearly two years in. Fucking hell. Well done, son. Fucking proud of you. Give me a cuddle. Bang, bang, bang. There you go. And that's it. And that's how he's been. Um, because I was, I was, I was, I was scared. I was probably anxious to tell people, you know. And and not and for me as and for my missus as much as me because because there's a stigma to it. There's a massive stigma to it. Um, mm. But if you ask mom, if you look, there's some things my missus might not be happy with me talking about because it's private. I need to talk about these things because one, it helps me. So thanks for being my counsellor for today, babe. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> um, but two, that it helps her. She's never been happier with me. Her life is, we've got another baby, but her life is, is okay. But we, get, we get along much better than we ever did for years. I think it's not that she prefers me now than than then every day of the week, every second of the day. Um, so it's completely so. But there is a thing with it, and it and it's tough. And and you do see a lot of things and hear a lot of things about. Oh, in my case, it's drink, drugs. Uh, it can be uh, gambling. It can be just general, and it all comes under one banner. It's mental health. You people don't talk about these things, but this this stigma attached to which is which is still a thing that you ha- you you have to you have to speak. Like, and I still say that, and it's very easy to say because I'm I'm coming out the other side. Even though I have to still work every day, every single day I have to work a structure and a thingy, a, a plan, a day, plan of action every day. That some people just just, just still struggle with it, and and this, and and people judge people. Guys, he just he's just a pisshead. Like sort himself out. I've come. I would have said the same thing. I would have said the same thing. I would have said I ain't, I know I ain't got a problem and all this, but if you just, once you once I started speaking to people, the right people, by the way, not just fucking Bob on Bob Bob at the end of the bar. Um, thing your life can change because if it's fuck me, if it can happen for me, uh, I believe it can happen for for for, for most people. Um, so yeah, what what the last two years have been incredible, and and there's the the things I've done these two years, I never would have <laughs> trust me, I would never have even dreamed about doing. Dreamed no. about it. Impossible. Impossible. In no chance. Um, actually caring for others and helping others, but remembering that family is the most important thing. And by me being 
the best version of me on a daily basis. Look, I make mistakes still every day, Dave. I make, I fuck up daily, daily. I might say the wrong thing every now and then and have to check myself and I might do the wrong thing. We all do. We all make mistakes and every day probably. There's always something you can do better, you know. But the thing I've realised is it's progress, not perfection. So if you're moving in the right direction, it might have to go back a step every now and then. But if you're moving in the right direction and you're doing the right thing, that's not bad. I'm content. I'm happy. That fucking do for me. And that's how I feel today with everything I do. Yeah, that's incredible, oh, mate. Mate, honestly, that is that is incredible. And it is so good to hear that you're coming up to being two years sober now, mate. Congratulations <laughs> on that. And I don't say yeah, that lightly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I don't know if you know this, and I'm pretty sure no one else knows this, listening to this podcast now, but my brother's a recovering alcoholic. And he's mm-hmm. uh, he's coming up to four years sober now. And well it's frightening how many things you've said in this interview so far that really resonates with me that I've seen firsthand mm-hmm. that I've experienced yeah. with him. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really, uh, it's incredible because yeah. I do know how difficult that journey is when you're in that dark hole, it's fucking difficult to pull yourself out mm-hmm. of it. Um, and yeah. I commend anyone yeah. that can do it and you've done it and uh, good luck to you, mate. I want to talk to you about Tony Adams, actually. Cool, mate, um, mate. What's he like as a fella and how important is he to the clinic? Uh, he's an amazing man. He's an amazing man. He's incredible. He's he's so passionate about uh, his his charity for one. He's so pa- the, the one of the things he, he, he I'll never forget. He come into when we was, I mean, I was I, I was the only there was two of us ex again I use air, air brackets for this ex professional footballers who were in the clinic, um, and the other two didn't know who Tony was really. And I was like, like this is a proper. England captain, he's proper. I can't, and I was going to meet him, and I thought I was still like in the, I was, I was a bit in awe. Um, and you think he's, I think Tony's stories are quite. He's told them hundreds of times, and he's, he's quite open. So what I'm saying is not, I'm not, I'm not saying nothing you might not have heard before. But, but he's, he's, he's. I think he started the clinic 25 years ago, and I think I'm right. He's 25 years. I can't remember how long he's sober, but he's, he's 20 plus years, and he's so passionate about it still. He's so passionate about the clinic, the charity itself. He's so passionate about recovery, his own recovery. He's so passionate about everything there and how it helps people. Um, and he's just been, yeah, he's 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 he's, he's, he's he was he started out, but with, with obviously a couple of other people, it wasn't just him. Um, and but what I do know is, is I'm saying, hey, well, look, we're not best mates. I speak to him every day, but but I've spoke to him on the other occasion, and, and he's. And he's always give me great advice. Um, give me a little bit of shit when I need it. Um, but but what a man, honestly, so incredible. And just that charity in general, just 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 AA in general, just mental health charities in general. Like to, that's to raise this money for, for, and it's easier than others, brothers. I understand that, but the work they do, it's incredible. And 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 the and as you touched on, Dave, like you, and thanks for sharing that, like uh, your brother. The, the effects on yourself are one thing it's terrible but 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 the effects on people that are close to each other is must be even worse yeah but, but I mean, I'll, I'll, as i wouldn't say i don't have to say most as bad because because you don't see it because i didn't see it i didn't see the pain my missus was going through when i wasn't coming home for two three four five days and my phone was off she didn't know where i was the pain of not knowing where i am whether my daughter's gonna go out that dad or 
or or if I'm even here anymore or whatever. Like the the, the, the worry, the anxiety. Like, and, and 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 to be honest, I struggle with that today. Um, sometimes I'll go through that in my head and and I have to share it with, with, with people because because it is it affects on family and close the people closest. It doesn't have to be family. The closest people to you is it must be terrible. So so this is why as along the way we make we try and make amends along the way and to the people that we can and and, and try and try and just try and be a good person. You know what I mean? And and that's what I'm trying to do today. And and I hopefully that 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 the things I'm doing today and, and it's not it's a little bit of a plug, but it's, it's just a thing where. Uh, I'm an uncle firefighter now, and and again, look, the pay's not brilliant, but it's not about that for me. It's about, it's about. Hopefully, I'll be getting, I'll get a chance to be a whole time firefighter. That's 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 the next, that's the next thing in my my, my life to concentrate on. But being an uncle firefighter, I love it. It's so good. I'm around a, a group of great, um, great people. But but you're helping. I live in. You help your local community, but I'm helping people that I wouldn't have cared about before. And look, I ain't everyone's best mate around here, but. But you can help people. So I'm trying to be a service to the local community where I can. Not just about me, it's about us as a team, and we can help them. Uh, doing doing my sports, my, my other stuff that I'm doing that 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 I wouldn't have done. I just I, I would not have got off my ass and done it. it just to to, to 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 help underprivileged kids and, and families. And again, this ain't I, don't, I ain't got a fucking halo over my by the way, because it does sound like my ego's getting in, in the way a little bit here. So I do apologise. But it is a case of that. If you can, if I can be a good person and help along the way, what's the harm in that? Yeah, but, uh, and I don't think you're coming across having an ego at all, mate. I think you're coming across as uh, uh, actually inspirational in the sense that you're proving to people that you can be in a really, really dark place, like like you've admitted you were, and that there's light mm-hmm. at the end of the tunnel that you can actually yeah. come out and turn your life around, which is essentially what you what you did. And you know, having met you before all of this, during all of this and after, the place that you're in now is so different to the place where I first knew yeah. you. And it's yeah. actually like, yeah, and it's and it's actually massively inspirational, mate. And I think you're right to tell your story and say that, you know, the firefighting, the, the youth club that you're doing is all things that you can do because people that listen to this that are in the same position as you that might think, God, I've got nothing mm-hmm. to play for here. They can take yeah. your example and use it as a motivator. So don't, don't be afraid to say yeah. what you're doing. I think it's a good no. No, and that, that's, a, that's a good point as well. And 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 so and again, so to touch on that again. The one thing that I've un, I've come to understand is, um, you can't help others if you're fucked. If you're not, if you have got no self care, and you don't, you have no care for yourself. How can you help anyone else? Mm-hmm. So the first thing it comes to is you have to make sure you're right. You have to help yourself. So when I come into I missed, and I, this is very important to hopefully anyone that's listening, anyone. It doesn't, hopefully, one person takes something from this. The fact that I went through that the program and the, the clinic and rehab and all this stuff. But if you don't, and Elle was in there, and I asked the question, I said, they said, What do you want to do? What is it you have for? And I said, I just want to get my missus and daughter back. I've got to get them back because if they don't come back, what's the point? Like, that's it, done. And they went, All right, so you want your missus and daughter back. Okay, how are you going to get that back? And I was like, well, I just need to get them back. Like that's it. I I I can't live without them. Even though I love them, of course I love them. I my I come first over them before in a bad way. So by that I mean I would go out instead of coming home. Now they said like take self care. So self care, you can't you can't help anyone else if you ain't correct. How can you be there for your missus and your daughter who's growing up if you are a bag of shit? 
and you keep hating yourself and you um, are not willing to, 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 to change your life and, and go through this program, do this stuff. Are you willing? Yes, of course I am. Well, let's fucking do it to work. And that's how I've done it. And you, I made sure, and I had to put, and the first time I had to write it down, and it shocked me, that I had to write, number one, the first thing you have to do, priority number one is over everything. So I had to put myself, but uh, in a good way, over my missus and my daughter. And I couldn't work that out. I couldn't work it out for ages. But when you think about it, you're not right. If you're not mentally stable and you're not in a good place and you're not getting the help you need or want or, or admit you need, mainly, most importantly, how can you be of use to anyone? You're used, today I'm useful, not useless. And that's how, and that's how you've got to look at it. That's, that's, that's how I've looked at it. And that's the only way, um, that's one of, the, one of the main contributors towards, towards doing what, what, what have helped me because it, 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 it makes sense. And it's hard. I know, and I understand it's hard. It's easy me saying it. Doing it is a completely different thing. A lot, of, a lot of talk was happened over the last few years from me. I was full of fucking bullshit and, and dreams and I'm going to do this, babe. We're going to, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Fucking talk bollocks. Yeah. That action. Do stuff. Make sure it's right. Make sure. So make yourself, and I have to make myself priority number one. Because if I get up, if I get up and I don't do my prayers and I don't do my readings in the morning and halfway through the day something comes up and I might not be off and I might fucking, that's because I haven't took self-care. And that's part of my routine. And, that, and that's, that's, that's what I found. And, and that's it. Yeah, that's, my, that's what I found along the way. And, and, and that is the main from people. Be, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Because if you're struggling, the worst thing you can do is just keep hating yourself. And I've done that. Hate myself. Be kind to yourself wherever you can. Mm. There's help there. So, 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 I mean, we kind of touched upon it earlier. Do you, how much do you put down all that you've been through to your, like, your um, football rejection as such, like, you know, being released by West Ham? And also, I remember we were talking about the, you know, you were going to go to the Manchester City game, Mark Noble's last game at the end of last yeah. season. And you were going to come to our event, and we we're going to try to get you tickets. And at the last minute, yeah. you know, I chatted to you, and you decided that you you didn't think you could go through with that in the end. Um, yeah. What What's the psychology behind that? Is was the football rejection the main trigger in all this? And and do you still mm. have to almost? I don't know what the word is like. Like you still have issues with it still, but that you have to kind of manage as such. And that's why you didn't go to Mark yeah. Noble's um a game. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, you are on fire. It's a joke. What a question. Um, <laughs> no, brilliant, honestly. Um, I, uh, yeah, so, so first part of that question really was, was, was football contributed towards, towards probably where, 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 like, where my life went to and then since it's been. So I would say it's a contributor, definitely a contributor towards it because on nights out I could be pissed up before and watching a West Ham match but whatever and and laughing off like oh, they, I remember my mate watching a game and Pardew was manager look who's your mate Pardew blew and I was going ah, he's a white star yeah, I was trying to get a laugh um, but really it hurt me so it, my, 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 uh, the fact I didn't become the, the footballer I, I should have probably uh, achieved what I wanted to achieve anyway definitely contributed towards it because one thing I, will, I do want to say is football was my first love, mate. Football was my first ever fucking love. Ever. Ever. Uh, from five, six, 
football, 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 football. There was nothing else. I never done anything else. Football in the street, football in the cage, football with my mates, playing with older kids. That was my. That was it. So it definitely contributed towards um, my my. Not the main factor, but a contribution towards it, definitely. Um, because it was such a part of my life. Like when you leave school, people get a job. I left school and I was uh, in the YTS thing. I was already guaranteed that because I was doing really well, and I knew I was probably going to get a pro contract from about sixteen. I was I was convinced. Um, so so that was my life. So 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 yeah, it was contributed towards it, but. It, it wasn't the main reason. There were so many other factors that come into play that that thing. But the one main thing was, I'll put it this way. If I become a professional footballer, if I did become a professional footballer and I was on 100 grand a week, I would still be an alcoholic. I'd just have more money and I'd probably get sacked quicker because I've still got the same uh, illness in me. I would still become an alcoholic. I'm convinced by that. A recovering alcoholic. Oh, now I apologize. So, uh, so that's how I put. That's how I would. I would probably, probably say that. Um, with the Mark Noble thing, it's interesting. Yeah, I remember. I remember you invited me, and I was really looking forward to it. And obviously, the big build-up, and it was emotional. And and I sent him a couple of voice notes, um, and I got a couple back, which was nice. And and uh, spoke to a couple of people, and then. Was it the day before, mate, or or, or the day off? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, a couple of days before, day. yeah. You gave a couple me a call. Of days before, mm. And I got this this mad rush of anxiety, very anxious. And then I was worried. And then I was upset. And all these different emotions started coming to play. And then normally I can control them a bit better. And I felt that I wouldn't have been able to control the, the emotion of the day. Not that I would have had a drink or anything like that. That wasn't the main thing. It was the fact that I think there's, I think there's too too much history with myself and the club to and Mark to be that environment, especially when there's drinking stuff surrounding it, because there would have been loads. Not that I would have wanted to drink again. It would have been the fact that it was just one big bowl of emotion. Why would I risk it? Mm. Why would I risk yeah. all the work I've done? Why? Mm. What I've cut again, again. It just goes back on the point. I remember someone telling me what. The best way to avoid uh, feeling feeling the way you might feel is just avoid avoid it. And the first six months of me coming out of the clinic, I've avoided um, avoided pubs and stuff like that. And some people do, do that, and some people don't. I'm not saying you have to do that, but for me, it felt right to just avoid it because why chance it? I wanted I wanted to recover in the end. By the fourth week, I, w- I wanted to just get my life on track. I wanted to be with help, get better. Um, so I think that yes, yeah, so sorry to touch on there that Mark, Mark, Mark. I think I think why would I put myself? Why would I? Why would I? Um, chance it. Mm. There, there was no reason to. Um, and it's funny because I didn't even really watch the game, but I remember sending him a voice note and I said, "Mate, I'm so proud of you" and stuff like that. And um, and yeah, and he sent me one back and then. I think the last night, the last game though was an away game. All right, last game of the season last year. It's right and away, the last actual game. Yeah, yes, mate. Yeah. 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 Um, I sent him another one, and I, and he sent me one back. Funny, just saying, uh, just sitting on Brighton Beach. So I looking over Brighton Beach, mate. Things ain't too bad. And we were just having a just having a laugh and just 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 again saying how proud I was. And he said, look, I'm, he, he 
he doesn't really he hasn't he hasn't heard my story yet because I think still that something that um I wanted to talk about at the time, but I'm sure if I see him one day, I will speak at some point. It might come up. Um, but hopefully, it'd be, it'd be uh, yeah, it'd be proud. It'll be well. Oh, don't know why. Mm, absolutely, mate. And life is so positive now. I mean, you're teetotal, yeah. making progress in the fire service, back with your partner, just had the birth of your second daughter, Chloe. Um, you've also started your own football academy too, called J-Kicks, I believe. Yeah. Where did the name yeah. come yeah. from and how's it all going? Well, J-Kicks well, is our, um, my daughter, Jessica. I'm, I'm knackered now because Chloe's here now, so it was Jason <laughs> for Jessica, so I'm banging trouble my star, new one. So I... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Jake, to be honest, it's been stop start and and the reason is obviously I've had obviously a baby this year. I didn't want to start it this summer. I've potentially had a good 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 base of people willing to sign up. But with the summer coming along, um and the baby, I didn't want to let people down not sign up. So we're gonna go we're gonna look to go October. Um and I see I'm I'm living in um Dovercourt, which is near a place called Harrods. So it's looking to be set down in North Essex area. I'm not sure exactly where, but it'll be in North Essex. Um and I'm I'm on I'm on Instagram now, but I am useless. I've just started to put videos up for the first time, mainly of my daughter, which is a bit annoying for people, so I apologise. I'm one of them people already. You know, when I don't people that with a baby it's, oh look at and everyone's saying, Yeah, well, I'm thinking. But but um I wanna start using that to promote and promote that because by by the next half term of um sports I like it to be running. So yeah, it'd be it'd be called J Kick. So if people can it's J underscore kicks free on Instagram and then I'm going to, there'll be a few more things coming out and I'm sure you boys help me plug it. So thank you. Yeah, for sure, that's that, another thing that, 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 um, that, but before obviously we go, I don't know if we're going to go off or anything like that. I just want to thank you two. Um, because again, this is a very, we're going to, this is very, I don't people don't think we're a bunch of fucking start, but, <laughs> but this is, this is, um, used to, although I, we're not, Obviously, look, we're not best mates, but we speak when we speak, and we speak when we speak. We speak for 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 about the serious things and good things, and and you and um, you've just been without you knowing at times it's been a little pickup. And I think since I come out of the clinic, I think I spoke to you for quite a while on the phone. I spoke to you, Dave, and 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 you didn't know, and I told you, and then you've just been supportive the whole time, and and it's just just and 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 for yourself. And normally, I would have tried to make a big joke about this, but it's not. I'm being serious because it meant a lot at the time, and and also that the the, the what what's happened with yourselves, and obviously Dave's gone massive time now. So I'm going to make it jokes, right? Dave's gone big time. But he is so huge; it's a fucking joke. Absolute Hollywood. Now, right, he's to get his keys on the phone. Yeah, it's. You've you've been nothing but um, respectful and, and helpful and just little things and bits and pieces. Um, but there's been so many people who have helped me along the way and I can't name everyone. But obviously, Harlow Town Football Club helped me massively. Without them knowing again, just being giving me structure back in football and bits and pieces. Um, the um, sporting chance itself, the PFA have been unbelievable with me. Um, but the most important people, obviously, for myself. Um, my missus is just an incredible lady, like fucking what a woman. She's, she's had to put up with some shit. Um, and it makes me emotional talking about it. It's sad, you know, it's, it makes me think why, why, but I know why now. Um, but she, she's been there since, 
15 years and it's put up with me and, and it's not been easy at times is it it's been brilliant at times and we've got two beautiful daughters now I'm so grateful for that but without her it, it, I wouldn't have I probably wouldn't be here so yeah um, even even having a baby the other day she was amazing I'll, I'll give it the big one Ahmad mate no pain relief not one paracetamol cracks on the girl bomb pop <laughs> Wow. Um, but what a lady! Like honestly, I I love her a bit, and she's just she's just um she means everything to me. So, and 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 the fact and and the um, and people closest to my dad and bits pieces people that have helped me along the way. And there's still things that need to be resolved. Like there's still things that in recovery that I've that have not been fixed. Um, so I don't want people to think that it's all been hunky dory. Trust me, there's been times where I want to fuck off and just run away and and just think I've ne- I've never really had the urge to drink again but there's been temptations of fleeting fleeting thoughts as we like to call it um so it's not been it's not it's not easy all the time but i know if i if i've got a program in place which i have and I, i'll now use that word a few times i don't feel to get it's not i'm not not i don't like to push these things on people and it's not again this, this program is a spiritual i'm a spiritual person now it's not about it's not a religious thing it's not it's, it's it's a spiritual thing and by that it can be the smallest amount of thing mate it's just 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 being grateful for things you know? that that's not that's not a, a culty thing because I, I, I that's not it's just being being grateful for what you got and, and stuff like that and I, I am with my with my, my lovely family you know what I mean it's, it's, it's staying on that everything's everything's moving in the right direction and, and when it don't when it don't I know it, I know it'll pass and I have a bad day I have a bad day it'll be fine and that's how I'll come to terms with it that's it mate and I think like you said you've, you've thanked the right people there. it's important to remember that when you are going through difficult times the right people will always be there to, to try and help you out of them and it shows mm-hmm. that you've got a really close network of people that care a lot about you that want to yeah. do the best for you and as long as when you have those dark thoughts you just think of all the people that, that are rooting for you then the way you've came out of it I'm sure you come out of it again and come on to cool. achieve even more than what you've achieved now and just to, just to sum up up the, to end this interview I mean you talked about it briefly earlier that you know when you were younger and you know in the academy you didn't really have someone that kind of put their arm around you and kind of sort of mm-hmm. you know, had a word a word in your ear and gave you a bit of support or advice or told yeah. you to up your game and stuff let's just create a hypothetical scenario so you mm-hmm. Darren Darren blew it you now as a 36 year old with all you've yep. been through and all your life experiences you see a young Darren blew it a 17 18 year old Darren blew it oh. in the academy what are you going to put your arm around his shoulder and say to him? Firstly, I would tread very carefully. That 17-year-old bloke was fucking <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> uh, he really was. He really was. And I apologise to a lot of people. One day I'll make, I'll make amends to the right people. But um, <laughs> listen, I would. it's hard because one thing I would say is don't... You know what, again, mate, wow. Question. Um, it's tough because the surroundings I was in, I would have probably said, I would have probably tried to get me out of the surroundings I was put myself in. That was in the first thing, but I would have just said to me, mate, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Just keep being kind to yourself because I was just so angry with myself all the time. Be kind to yourself. Stop hating everything. Be kind. That was that. That would probably be the main thing because I was just so angry all the time with everything. Be kind to yourself, and that that that, that I found is one of the most important things. 
because hate, 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 hate sometimes can override that. It's a lot easier to be kind than it is to try and make up to be, when you've hated someone. Trust me. Um, be kind to yourself, though, because if it's going to be all right, mate, be kind to yourself. And, 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 but, sorry, let's change it again. The one thing I would like to, to mention again was, um, I did mention was Kevin King. Um, and the reason I mentioned him is because he did try. He did try. He did try. Um, but again, it was just where I was at in my head, I think. Um, so he did try, but I wanted yeah, just, just, just to hope one day thank him again personally. But be kind to yourself, really, in yourself, because it ain't that bad, mate. Life's not that bad. And I did think it was. Mm. Well, Darren, you've got one hell of a story to tell. Firstly, thank you for sharing that with us because I think it will give others in a similar situation hope and inspiration. Secondly, you should be really proud of yourself, mate, because your journey hasn't been an easy one, but you've come Mm -hmm. through stronger and healthier than ever. And as a friend of yours, it's really nice to see that. Dave, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And and again, I just want to reaffirm what I've said earlier, that please, 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 if you are struggling, one, I ain't got the answers. I ain't got all the answers. But if you're on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, um, please message me or message the right people. There's loads of groups out there, even a Samaritan, wherever it is, please, please just speak to someone. It cannot be said enough. Please speak to someone because it makes it so much easier. It, it can change your life. It can change your It can save your life. Please do it. Um, but thank you, Dave. I really appreciate that in words, and, and, and it means a lot to come from you too, um, especially a big Hollywood star like yourself, mate. It's amazing. <laughs> 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 Can I just say one thing as well? You're allowed to have a sense of humour. Right? Because, because I'm a spiritual man now. You can take a piss at me. Right? You're allowed to have a sense of humour. Right? Yeah. I am still the same me, but I work a program today. I still try and I just try and be a good person today. Still try and be yeah. a good person today. But you've got to have a sense of humour in life. What's the yeah. point otherwise? Yeah, exactly. yeah, and don't worry, mate. You'll be getting it when I see you next. Make no mistake about that. <laughs> but, but before that, you have to book in a date with his agent to when that is. <laughs> yeah, him and Corden. Yeah, exactly. He's got dark hair like you. Metal, you've been in the metal. Here we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the stupid thing is, mate, he edits the show, so none of this is making the cut anyway. Oh, <laughs> oh mate, that's brilliant. And honestly, a really fantastic message yeah. that you left that with as well in terms of anyone in a similar situation that is struggling. That's a powerful message that just reach out to absolutely anyone. It's a start. It really is. Um, Darren, is. thanks for coming on, pal. <laughs> Keep up the good work and we wish you the very best of luck for the future. Yeah, thank you very much for both of you. I'm coming, your eyes. Let's keep going this season. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. 
Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.